0: Jesse aka The Bizzle. Oh The Bizzle thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. Greetings people and welcome back to The Bizzlecast Cast for more Star Wars talk. I hope you all enjoyed my full length film commentary with Jedi Geek Girl of the Last Jedi which came out recently. And that was one of the first film commentaries I've done in a long time, and it was an absolute blast. I used to do them all the time. I love doing film commentaries, but I especially love doing it with other people, and it uh, had been a while. It was a little rusty, but Jedi Geek Girl carried it, which was great. She was awesome, had amazing insights. She's a bit from the younger generation and has sort of a different perspective on Star Wars, but she loves the movie and she loves the whole universe. Today, however, I am here with my good buddy Simi Klimo on his third appearance in we are here to talk Last Jedi, we are here to talk Star Wars Rebels, we're here to talk the future of Star Wars, so before we get going, Simi, I don't know if you know this, but with three appearances, you officially become a co-contributor of the Bizzlecast.
1: Wow. Wow. I yeah. was going to say thanks for having me, but thanks for uh, thanks for honoring me with the, yeah. uh, contributions, I guess. Yeah. That's awesome. Man. There
0: are no money or cash prizes, unfortunately, at this point. <laughs> I will take the prestige mm-hmm. and I will smile. Yeah, because that's what we work so hard for in life, is the prestige. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So, um, really quickly, man, how you been? We've been sort of keeping in touch. We've been trying to get this podcast for a while. Everything good in uh, the, the BK?
1: Chag Sameer, all is well from Brooklyn. Um, you know, no leavened bread, but, um, you know, following it, not so much. Mm-hmm. But uh, having good holidays, uh, enjoying the spring, and really uh, – I've been excited to get going on this podcast. We've been talking about it for a while, so I got to just keep rewatching episodes as we postponed it once or twice. So yep. I was, I can't, I can't complain. So I can't
0: complain. I want to just very quickly recap the last two podcasts, so we're going to jump into it, and you'll see why. So. Our, sure. our first podcast was a smashing <clears throat> success. Still one of my most listened to podcasts in the last few months. And by the way, my last few months have been some of my most successful months overall in a while. So uh, that has been great. Certainly having v- great, you know, at least very interesting and deep um, and even controversial movies from The Last Jedi to Black Panther, as you can imagine, has been very helpful in providing topics yes. and material. But we talked about, um, I, I think you saw it recently, I entitled it, this one of my favorite titles, both because of the title itself and because I, t- I totally agree with it, which is How Ahsoka and the Clone Wars Saved Star Wars. And I think, really cool, I'm going to throw it to you on that one. I, I think we did a pretty good job of proving our point I, I, and we're gonna get back to that later in this podcast
1: right absolutely uh, you know it's just uh, even when uh, spoiler alert she comes back for just a you know a brief moment or two in in, in rebels you know she's the glue that's really carrying this franchise and uh, the way the way things ended in rebels I, I think, it can go in so many different directions, you know, on her back as she carries it. I mean, we both love her, her character, but, um, now the storyline, you know, it's finally been answered. Yes, there will be more Ahsoka finally. And, you know, now which direction it's going to go and, 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 and how is she going to link all these other, uh, characters together in the new, you know, in the, the canon line. So I, I'm super, I'm super excited for it. Uh, um, you know, yeah, absolutely. So I'm excited to talk about Rebels, and, and her role in it and uh, get back to a little bit of uh, some clone things, clone wars as well. So, yeah, I think we got a lot to a lot to get into.
0: You know, I do briefly want to mention our second podcast, which was your immediate reaction after seeing Last Jedi for the first time, which you weren't crazy about and had a lot of issues with. And uh, listening back to it, it's, I, I don't want to necessarily apologize. But I'm a little embarrassed listening back to it because it does feel a lot like me trying to defend a lot of the stuff in the movie, thinking I'm not defending it um you know like almost like mansplaining the movie or something like that, even though it makes no sense to say that, but like it, and you were you were very cool about it and engaged me on the points and stuff like that uh and so I do want to um give you a little bit more room today because we're about to talk about your thoughts after more watchings and more time so sorry about that buddy
1: <laughs> no I think <clears throat> excuse me I think that's uh, I think that's why we're here you yeah. know otherwise we're just in our own bubble you know rubbing each other's backs telling us you know mm-hmm. how cool we are um, mm-hmm. you know and look I'm a, I'm a I'm a junkie I'm into it I love it like I've watched it I think probably 10 times since and um, I really like the movie it's just y- you can't just not chop up parts there's just certain parts where um may like i just i just think they could have done it a little differently and i think it all comes into the magic of the jedi and like that's that's what we actually you know dive into a lot together i think that's what makes a lot of our conversations fun is because it's this like theories of good and bad and light and dark and what they're trying to say and who the jedis really are and all of that so i think this discourse makes uh you know, it probably makes people want to listen to us a little bit, I hope. <laughs> Absolutely. Well they have been listening. Um
0: and I think it was just because I was doing so many podcasts and it was so on my mind, you know, and by the time we talked, I guess kinda of, kind of rehearsed a lot of the stuff in my head without realizing it. And to be honest with me, doing the um commentary, um, yesterday or the other day, which is, which is released for The Last Jedi, I did notice as happens when you do full-on analysis, I did notice some nitpicks, uh, and I did notice some nitpicks that other people had and some issues that maybe I didn't notice before, or just on repeat viewings I didn't think I have uh, it did reinforce the fact that I do love the movie overall and and think it's at least a spectacular visual achievement and its high moments are excellent. However... I want to know, However, (laughs) I do want to know, you have seen the movie yet, how many more times have you seen the movie, and where are you at right now in terms of your personal view of the last show? And I just want, really quickly, man, before you say that, I want to reiterate out there, people, that there's a difference between hardcore star wars fans who are smart intelligent articulate and thoughtful and don't love the movie or have issues with it and the like pure haters out there so the pure haters out there are idiots and i'll you know i'll probably drop a few f-bombs at them at some point as i usually do in the bizzlecast but simi i I should let you know that the the, the people i just described it was divided uh over my many last jedi interviews is about half and half of people who loved it immediately and then the other half of people who love star wars especially the people who love star had trouble on the first watching and then ended up liking it or loving it to various degrees on subsequent watching so where are you at in your own head uh in your own life with star wars the last jedi
1: you know if i have to give letter grades and things like that that's that's hard to do i'd rather like just put it in i I like separating in my mind like the, the kind of three generations of Star Wars. So in this new generation, without getting into my thoughts on all the, 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 the you know, one through six, if you will, um, you know, I, I, I think it's kind of the worst one that came out of the three. That being said, I think it's a great movie. Like there are some scenes in it that I think maybe are some of the best scenes in any of the three um, and just some amazing parts but in terms of my nitpickiness of some things that took me out of the moment and made me kind of be like, Ugh, come on. You know, there was just a few more of those than in some of the other movies. Um, you know, like I, I, still can't get over that flying scene. Every time I watch it, I keep going back to it. It just takes me out of it. Cause it's, there's just so many levels of like, wow of it. And then it's like this visual thing that's hard to, you know, imagine, you know, like as a real thing. So it, it, it takes, it, it takes you out of the moment, and like that's, that's why I didn't like that part. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the interactions uh, with Luke in general, I mean, at the same time, he hadn't been this character in years, even though he's always that, that character to me, you know, to see who Luke is now... You know, maybe they needed something dramatic like the lightsaber throw. You know, in, in retrospect. So I've thought this through, and it didn't ruin the movie by by any means. I think it's a great great movie, I, and I think there were some great uh, scenes. Just a few of those things took, took took it out. But in terms of the amazing scenes, that that fight scene uh, with Kylo uh, when they when they join forces it is incredible, and that whole murder scene. Uh, to kill Snoke is incredible. Like that whole sequence is great. Um, rewatching it. I really, uh, I really started to like Finn's storyline a little bit more than I did before. There was a, you know, a lot of love with him and Rose that I didn't, um, uh, I wasn't really catching up, like just some lessons to be learned that I just Mm -hmm. wasn't really aware of it. Mm -hmm. Um, as keen on the first going. going yeah, I think through. that that so, part
0: goes down easier on subsequent watchings, even though it's still the weakest part of the movie. But we can get to that later.
1: It is. It is. But like I like the part where she's like take a closer look and you know it is there's like plenty of cheese there. But uh you know it I I, I spent some time in Vegas so it just it just reminded me of like, you know, Vegas a little bit and it was like a cool way of portraying it. Vegas
0: and, baby, you know, Vegas
1: <laughs> their mission was pure and uh, yeah, overall, like there were some really cool things uh, that I went through in the second and third and 4th viewings that, that I thought were awesome.
0: So let me ask you this question, actually. So would you say overall, I, I think I know the answer to this based on what you just said. Would you say overall, the things you didn't like initially, you still don't like, and the things you love, you still love, essentially, even with all the extra viewings?
1: Yeah. And I would, and then I would add, I found some, I found a few more like nuggets of love, uh, within that, within it as well that I didn't necessarily, um, you know, cause I was absorbing some of the other things. So you don't necessarily love everything at once, but I found sure. some really cool. Um, I also liked, um, uh, you know, a lot of the give and takes with, with Leia and Poe, uh, and the mutiny and all of that, 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 it, it seemed a little far-fetched at first, um, but, like, I couldn't get over the... There was a little bit of, like, you know, how how are they so, like... You know, Poe just took over the bridge and, like, like attacked everyone, basically, and then they're, like, like, you know, kind of forgiving him more immediately, but then I realized, you know, it's there aren't that many people left, so, yeah. you know, they're just being realistic. Yeah, <laughs> I think... So, really, yeah, you know, and yeah. then I started to like that, that trio... A little bit more Mm -hmm. uh and 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 that story again that storyline so digging into some of those storylines more i found a lot of things i liked more than i didn't like and Mm -hmm. i still just you know those few uh qualms i had in the beginning are still are still there they're not horrible things it's just they could have uh i just wonder what that conversation was like sure and it didn't get to, to that that storyboard and
0: look sometimes things just aren't gonna hit you the right way right I mean, even given all the specific qualms, sometimes just the overall feel of the movie, it doesn't quite come together really quickly about Poe and Leia and Holdo, because God knows I've spent the vast majority of the podcast, for obvious reasons, talking about Luke, Leia, and and Kylo, and we can certainly get back to that, Um, but um, I think... There are two main problems with the Leia and, and Poe story, which most most of mostly I love because I love those two characters, and I was pumped to you know have their story. Um, I think one problem is because the movie was long and there were so many stories, and the Rose and Poe story was a little long and overly done we we should have maybe had less of that and more time in the ships with Poe and Haldo and so forth was one thing I noticed the other thing mm. was. I know it was supposed to be like a surprise reveal in the end that that uh, um, Leia and Holdo were actually really close friends and so forth. But I think they should have established more of previous relationships between those three characters. Like one thing I would have done would you know how Poe immediately distrust Holdo? And, like, Mm -hmm. I know he's extra irrational because everyone's dying and because Leia's maybe going to die, but I think it would have been more interesting if Poe and Holdo had a history, even if it was an implied history of not getting along, I think would have sold that all a lot better. I don't know how you feel about that.
1: I think it would have, but I think... um, I think it would... Yeah, you know, trust she's on our side kind of thing would always help somebody, but, uh, you know they were creating a storyline and no matter what they were going to butt heads. Yeah. But yeah, that would have kind of ended the, if they got along the the whole storyline wouldn't have worked out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, his, yeah. the, the whole seat of his pants, like why guy, like I need to know the plan. I need to know what's happening and, you know, act, 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 you know, a little less strategy, a little less strategy. I, mm-hmm. I did think it was interesting how he seemed, uh, uh, you know, he seemed a little bit more that characteristic, that gun ho in this movie than, than in seven, because I felt like, um, in his first introduction, he was a little bit more calculating and was a little, a little bit more like Han, you right. know, this time I found him a little, uh, you know, a little like premature, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he, they made him, they, I, I don't know. They, they kind of made him a little bit, not as strong as a character yep. before he was like, kind of like, You know, cocksure and not only confident, but like backing it up, backing it up, backing it up. This time like, you know, he made some mistakes.
0: So, So, um, so Jedi Geek Girl is the, like, lore master. She reads all the books and all the comics, and she also reads all of the novelizations of the movies, which I don't generally, but those are lore and it's mostly just fleshing uh-huh. out stuff. And she says in the book, it does a better job of talking about that. He was just, uh, he was overly confident after the victory at Starkiller base. Um, and so he was maybe feeling himself even more than we saw <clears throat> on screen because of that. But on top, uh. But on top of that, the, f- it, you know, sometimes when you fail, like his bombing run on the ship w- was a temporary victory, but I right. was pissed at him cause they lost all their pilots. Um, you know, sometimes when you fail rather than blame yourself, you just, you know, it's like in gambling, when you lose money, you're like, well, I'm just going to keep betting money until I win my money back. And I think there's a little right. bit of, it's sort of like, remember with the banks they, uh, when they, when they failed, they use the term too big to fail kind of thing. So rather than let the banks fail, let's keep pumping money. I think there was an element... And again, this was on repeat viewings and me thinking about this, and I could be totally full of shit. I think there was an element of, all right, I've already put all my chips on the table, so I'm going to keep putting my chips on the table because even though I didn't get the result I wanted, I still think my way is the right way. But I agree. It does seem like for his age and experience, you you would think he would be a little bit wiser. But remember before they went against the first order and force awakens it's implied pretty heavily they've only and we know this from reading bloodline by the way right which takes place five years before so there's no way poe as experienced as he was was had been really fighting for more than maybe a year or two um of actual right. fighting the first order um i don't know does any of that make sense in describing why he was
1: not acting his age
0: i guess is what i'm saying yeah
1: yeah yeah i mean yeah but
0: and also really quickly sammy there's a reason why the lead fighter pilots are not also the admirals and the generals
1: and so forth in real life in the military right right but in a rebellion uh you imagine that that's you know how they become how you get from stage one to stage two is you know you become a war hero and then you become a general um you know based on your act i mean look at (laughs) <laughs> look at the Netanyahu like that's oh, uh, uh, he's carrying on his uh, his brother's back right now like into uh, all his nonsense uh, but he's still you know a war hero and he's still a brother And, anyways I digress
0: okay um, um, so I want to ask you a few more specific questions and then I want to talk about uh, the first three new movies in general but first sure so here I think is um, how do I phrase this whoops um let's see a phrase this so the, the question i'm about to ask you is what i think is the most interesting and deep or at least complex question that nobody's really asking about the movie and involves the failed horribly failed plan between poe rose and finn right so mm-hmm. not only does the poe rose and finn plan fail but it backfires so spectacularly that it almost destroys leia's and hold those plans and almost kills everybody right so right the one perspective on this is that was just sloppy writing and it was just an entirely pointless side story even more than it seemed on the surface because it not only accomplished nothing but it accomplished the opposite of what it was supposed to accomplish but There is a perspective where you could say, as Jedi Geek Girl said, both in Star Wars and in other, you know, movie properties, there are much dumber ideas that succeed. And so it's also very true to life that, you know, the best laid plans can still fail. And so I want to ask you, whether you think Cantobite worked or not i think we're on the same page that yeah rose and finn gets better on watchings but it's still kind of sloppy and long um and we're still not sure about post character but do you understand what i'm saying in terms of structuring the narrative does it is it maybe kind of smart that there's this elaborate plan from our main characters that does totally fail as part of their journey as being characters and learning i mean i think uh and I don't I don't have they an answer by the sh- way for this. This is not no, like I, yeah.
1: I just think in Star Wars there like as we see in Rebels there's a lot of layers to solving the problems. There's not necessarily just one thing. Sometimes you'll see them all come together in little portions to to make it all work and mm-hmm. it's where you know why did they have that storyline if it was just going to fail. Yeah. Um, maybe it was just to kill Captain Plasma. Maybe it was, uh, in like a dramatic fashion. Maybe it was to, to show the betrayal. Maybe it was to, um, you know, have all these characters. I mean, if you think like Mao's character line, uh, was in there, like all those, um, uh, all those characters were in that one storyline of, of failure. Um, so I think it's a few things. I think it's to keep the story going in different directions, but, um, I I think also in in Rebels, you saw like he had a bunch of things going and like, you know, something's got to hit the board. You know, you just keep throwing and throwing rocks at the board and something's got to stick if you're going to if you're going to win. So, you know, like Ezra in in Rebels had all these contingency plans in the end. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe that's kind of like the lines of, uh, you know. the the joining of the force and Mm -hmm. and all those different lines that are kind of coming together. Yep. Uh, Hmm. Also like what was happening with Rose and Finn at the end, just their dedication to, um, and their, you know, character building for probably potentially what they're going to be doing in the next one, you know? So, uh, um, which again was why I liked uh, the movie. I liked uh, the, the foreshadowing and the planning and like, you know, the idea of like what's going to happen in the next movie. It got me like, really really excited to to watch the progression and um now that snoke's out of the p- picture unceremoniously quickly i felt like it was just all of a sudden he was gone cutting half uh,
0: tongue out is great yeah yeah
1: the the the, the second scene where they wish they show him how to fall over is great yeah. um but you know after uh after that it's like you know it's kylo's empire and yep. and let's see uh yep let's see what what what's going to happen i mean and it seems awesome so i'm ex- i'm st- although that storyline failed like i'm still excited to see what happens with those characters next yeah
0: okay you know? so i have so. one specific question and i have one big picture p- question and then we're going to talk more widely about the movies okay okay specific question is i think we can agree even on your first watching despite the lightsaber over the th- shoulder gag which i agree was unearned And despite it being a little tough to stomach, at least at first, that version of Luke, I think, if I can recall, like most people, uh, even on your first viewing, it was clear that the best and coolest and most interesting part of the movie was the big three, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Watching, you know, seeing him as a character again. I mean, it's been how long, you know? Yeah. So... Uh, you know his his arrival. You know Leia's uh, Leia's role in it. Um, you know, and then mm-hmm. seeing kind of the outcome of all the and 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 of everything else. So, you know, not love not
0: initially loving the sort of portrayal of Earth, Luke. Uh, portrayal of luke early in the movie and let's well, just forget the lights over the throttle that was a stupid gag that was just for two seconds whatever right let's put that aside but luke being kind of a crazy old man and coming along slowly has that particular aspect of the film gotten better or more interesting to you um well i it, i'm less concerned about whether better and more concerned about whether it's gotten more interesting on repeat viewings luke in particular
1: uh, you know, when, when Yoda says, uh, young Skywalker, oh, how I have missed you. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminds me that like, he's still young compared to a lot of these other Jedis, you know? So that's a but great he's been point through, by the way. as a human, as a human, he's been through so much mm-hmm. and like the whole thing about, you know, and he, he was raised as a man, not, a, not a Jedi. Like, so he has emotions and anger and feeling, and he still managed to obtaining basically the, the most gifted Jedi besides his father ever. You know, he still managed to, like, get through all those feats. But Yoda's, like, Yoda's, like, three centuries years old or four centuries years old. He was over 300 years old when he died, and then he still lives on forever and blah, blah, blah. So who knows how old Yoda really is. But, like, Luke's, what, 60, 50, 55? I mean... How's he? So, how old is he really supposed to be? So he became a Jedi when he was like twenty uh, something, and you know, he's been yes. Jedi for like thirty years. Yeah.
0: And at, at that young age, had to restart the Jedi Order completely by himself because it's implied that he doesn't see those Force ghosts post Return of the Jedi again up until uh, the new movie with Yoda, right? So he had to start the yeah. whole thing As by physical himself. Physical
1: altercations with his father,
0: yeah. And then, his hand. and then and then. Within 20 or so years of starting this order, he was betrayed and almost killed by his nephew.
1: Yeah. So it's it's kind of understandable to me that he would go
0: crazy, man.
1: It never made sense that Obi-Wan, you know, became a hermit. It makes perfect sense that, like, he became a fake hermit to protect Luke. He was never a hermit. Like, he was a... Good-looking dude with a British well, accent. Let's, he, he was going to do well. Can I, but, wait, just really quick, can I just, yeah. He, Luke was a hermit. Yeah. Luke, Luke is a true hermit. Yeah. The pain that he suffered, mm-hmm. you know, equals hermit. Makes sense. You know.
0: Let's so. let's table. I just want to tease this as a fun thing. Let's table Obi Wan yeah. as a hermit to tie in with Ahsoka theories for the end of the podcast. I think that would be a great way to end the podcast because you know my whole theory about the two of them. So oh, his time. Tr- yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure. Or whatever. Well, let's save that till the end, but um sure i can't remember were you someone who liked the revelation of luke uh beating kylo via sort of spiritual force versus physical force yeah
1: i love that i thought it was great and and we i didn't know um only towards the end i realized that he wasn't i'm like he's still he's still on the island Mm -hmm. like he he's not even there like it but like i didn't i didn't i didn't catch the feet the footprints when they were fighting i didn't Mm -hmm. i didn't catch any of that stuff all right, so yeah. my next I question... I, I thought it was great. Yeah. I did think it was great. Okay.
0: Well, we, we've talked plenty about the specifics. Um, I'm definitely glad you saw it multiple more times. I think just the fact that you saw it three or four rather than just one or two is a good sign. Um, you know, it's also, be sometimes, with, and this is going to tie in really nicely to uh, our discussion of Force Awakens and Rogue One, sometimes some movies age better with us than others, Right. As time goes on, so it'll be interesting to see for all of us how the Last Jedi ages. But let me ask you this about the construction of Last Jedi and where I, why I think Kylo, Rey, and Luke's story succeeded so well, but also explains why maybe the other storylines had problems, and didn't always work. So, when I say film theory, you know, I'm not talking about, like, super hypothetical. So, let's go into TV shows. So, you know what serialized TV shows are, you know, obviously, you know, shows that have a constant plot over every episode, as opposed to the villain of the week model, or whatever, which, you know, pretty much all good television now, from Game of Thrones to Breaking Bad, or whatever, is all serialized. So, what are one or two serialized TV shows on now, or just Classic ones that you really like. Uh, this is going to make sense in a second.
1: like uh, guilty ple- pleasures. I like no, no. Uh, any,
0: anything serialized. Any show where you know over many seasons, there's a one continuous plot.
1: Um, you know, I like Game of Thrones. Um, I, I like. Um, I was gonna do a horrible uh sci-fi one I, I i like um the magicians okay what about shows that like the um
0: magicians. uh what about shows that ha- that are not on the air anymore that are because they're like were you into breaking bad or were you into the wire were you into um
1: i like the wire i like sopranos okay um, okay let's take I those li- two I examples liked,
0: uh... let's take those two examples right sure Wire and Sopranos. What do they share that a lot of these shows share? In my opinion, the early seasons are generally better than later seasons in almost all these shows. Right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Because like you, uh, you run through the you run through the storyline in the first you know one or two seasons, and then uh, you know you start getting creative. You know, <laughs> right? But <laughs> with, there's another with, reason like, which re- ties into you're something. recycling, yeah you're uh yeah you know you're putting the certain characters in certain positions uh because that's where people like seeing them mm-hmm. um Wait, can i hone in let me hone in know?
0: on that let me hone in on that sure so you said something earlier that tied in to make me think of this question which was super deep i don't know uh um if i'm going to interpret it right but one of the reasons early seasons of tv shows are better is because you're not necessarily building towards an end goal. You're concerned on building character, fleshing out the world, coming up with creative ideas, creative stories. But then what happens when you know you only have one or two seasons left? And again, these very serialized, story-heavy shows, all of a sudden, you need to make everything make sense and connect all together. Right so can i can I give an uh, example of mine which uh and this show was actually somewhat of an influence uh, on Ryan Johnson and the Last Jedi, which was the rebooted Battlestar Galactica TV series um, which ran for four long seasons between like i don't know two thousand and four and two thousand and nine, and the first two seasons are much better than the second two seasons because do do you know the vague
1: plot of uh, of Battlestar the the uh i actually was almost about to start it the other day it's is fantastic it on, i think it's on like, amazon it is on oh, amazon so.
0: and you should absolutely watch it
1: okay i was actually about to um that's interesting i think you had mentioned so, I'm not gonna before, r- so anyways I was, uh, so i don't know i i i if i if i was pressed on it i could i, I i'll say no I okay think it was good some, that's fine go into apocalyptic yeah. 2030 and so, there's some sort of an alien yes. thing going on. Yes. on and the by planet, the way,
0: they should have what they call the miniseries also on Amazon. You absolutely should watch that before season one, episode one, because it's the whole origin story of how the war starts. So basically, it's the age-old story of us building robots, and we turn them into slaves, and then they rebel against us. And you'll see very early on in the miniseries that they, they are able to um, become like to look like humans and so they're able to infiltrate and they basically create the genocide of the uh, like Star Wars this is a, a galaxy far away um but they are human and that's all I will say and you'll have to discover the rest but basically all right. all but 50,000 of you know 20 billion humans die and they go on the run from the Cylons and literally again i'm not going to give anyway anything away and i'm really pumped you're going to watch this there's almost no way you won't like it it's because all the things you like about star wars is going to be in it uh um, but basically they're just constantly on the run from the cylons and trying to survive and preserve the humans and and they keep you know Cylons keep finding ways to find them and stuff but what happens is the first two seasons you don't spend much time with the bad guys, so they're this big, bad evil that you know are like the scary you know the scary bad guys you know chasing us, and it builds so much mystery and so much suspense, and then again, those no spoilers. But once they start trying to work it towards a conclusion, and especially in the season four, which is still very good, by the time you finish season three, you're going to want to watch season four, and there's some excellent episodes. But again, there's so much lore and mythology, as all great sci-fi shows have, that the it almost um, you could tell the writers were working extra hard to make it all make sense. Okay, so this is a very right. long-winded way of me saying the reason I think the Ray Luke Kylo story works is because Ryan Johnson I th- worked that story Starting with the characters and their interactions And then Moved it towards Okay, how is this going to conclude in the story? Whereas with, with Poe Ray, Finn, Leia, etc It almost felt like they had an end goal And a whole bunch of sort of scenes And things like Phasma And the planet they wanted to achieve And worked backwards towards the characters And I never think that's quite as Effective as starting with characters And then seeing where the plot is going I don't know if any of that made sense
1: No, I think it does. I mean, unfortunately, it might kind of be uh, a little bit of the Disney aspect that they have to include because, like, maybe, like, they had kind of what looked like their end game, and they're like, huh, Finn's not doing a whole lot, you know? And then, like, they just added in scenes to grow Finn's character. I mean, you could have, like, gotten rid of that whole line and just added a few things at the end, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, there was total additions to it. So a lot of it, I mean, hey – it's a movie you know what i mean like they're still you know trying to create a franchise and those characters are going to be important i think in the next one so like you know right. hopefully hopefully they won't go on like an r2d2c3po mission again you know i mean just like with episode you know it's just a uh, it, it's filler at some level like but I, I think it was to show other parts of the galaxy because they do like showing different worlds i thought those uh i thought the the racing that they had was pretty cool and like that like i said back to that vegas and the gambling thing i thought that aspect was yep. cool just to show that world yep. i do like it when they go off world like Which that's is a been prequel cool. thing like, keep- let's
0: be honest right and i want to point out that the the younger audience that grew up with the prequels was more into the canto bite stuff because in the prequels one of the things that is either criticized or praised depending on who you are is the excessive amount of going to tons of worlds in these huge CGI set pieces, right? Of all of these crazy worlds. Whereas in the original trilogy, they're very restrained with how many planets they go to. It tries to be as practical as possible, whether it's Hoth or in the desert or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think Canto bite will like the prequels. Uh, let me put it this way. Like, parts of the prequels, Cantobite will age better over time because it'll just be a fun feast for your eyes. But when you're going into your initial viewings of a movie like The Last Jedi, you get impatient and you want to get back to the main storyline and main characters. And I'm not sure there's anything you can really do about that. Um, and, oh, no. and, and and my final point on this, we're going to talk about the all the new movies, is because of how compelling and awesome the big three are in Last Jedi, it inevitably is going to make you impatient during the other parts. It's impossible, right? Right. So, right. okay. Right. So so there's a million different storylines up and down. The act structures all over the place in Last Jedi. This is going to lead perfectly into the next topic because Simi, in addition to gaining your co-contributor status you are officially the first Star Wars uh, contributor on this show who definitively, I think, agrees with me that as good as the other two have been, of the three new movies, Rogue One is still the best. Yes.
1: Uh, First of all,
0: thank you. (laughs) Because I get a lot of shit for it from people who think it's significantly not the best.
1: You know, we 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 chatted for like we've chatted very briefly before doing this to just kind of get some focus of like what we want to talk about. Um, and the one, so it made me start to think, you know, what's the difference? I mean, there's some obvious difference between the the movies. Like one is part of the series, one is a standalone, you know, kind of thing as like the prequel kind of ish. But still, the characters are kind of standalone, um, you know reading the cat or listening to on audible, the catalyst, and then, you know, see, seeing rogue one also made me like it more. But what I thought was interesting was, um, it's, it reminded me of the, the trilogy that we grew up with, mm-hmm. uh, where they're, they're really hinting at the Jedis, but there's no true Jedis really. Like even, even just like watching Luke and Obi-Wan, uh, in in, in uh, A New Hope, you know, uh, attack with lightsabers or use the Force uh, to do uh, Jedi Mind Trick or any of those, like, little tidbits of the Force and, and those, those displays are just incredible. And that's kind of like what Rogue One does, too. Like, there's no, you know, no one's really a Jedi. There's some Force wielders-ish, you know, um, and... Uh, the storyline hints at the underlying plot of the Force, but it still, it still doesn't, uh, you know, it's just not a lot of lightsabers, you know, not a lot of bells and whistles. It's more like skimming the surface surface of, of, uh, of what they're all talking about. So I think, and that's the, to me, that's the blatant difference between the two movies. Like there's a lot of lightsaber, there's a lot of action and it, it really makes a separation almost for me Um uh, of Rogue One versus the versus uh, the versus the other two. So um, I think that's kind of why I like it because it's just it's just not diving into it and there's no gluttony of of force. It's still beating around the bush and um, you know watching these characters in in the world, uh, uh, you know, dive into what can be, what could be, and you know fighting for the rabble. So it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So I think that's why that was that that it took me a little while to kind of figure out why why I like it more and what's really the main difference. And I think it's because I love the original three that I grew up on, and uh, it's it's kind of like that. It it, like there's the undertones of things, but it's not really um, it's 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 uh, it's more like hinting at it before giving you the full meal. You know, so I think it's pretty cool. Um, and I love the storyline. I love the characters. I love the development, and um, the way it ends is like just so sad and, and um, yet uh, fulfilling, you know, like it's 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 deep, you know, watching watching the uh, you know, watching their world end. So.
0: yeah, so I took a couple notes here. So first of all, if you grew up with the original trilogy and you still think it's the best, Rogue One is going to speak to you more than if you grew up with the prequel trilogy or even if you're young enough that you were, you know didn't grow up till after the prequel trilogy and the new movies are your movies, right? Like, the young podcasters I follow, and again, in particular, the female podcasters, because we have characters like Rey and Jin and Rose and stuff, you know, if you're a young female Star Wars fan who's literally growing up on the new movies, it makes sense that the new Saga movies, Episode 7 and 8, would be your favorites, probably, right? But for us, Rogue One is the direct prequel... Leads into the original trilogy. You you can watch it, leading it directly into the other movies, which is amazing, right? I think you've done that.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. I, I I think that's how it should. If you, I think they did a a seamless job of it. Like you could, I I think in the future they'll probably package this. It's Disney, but I mean they should package the two movies as one, and just like with no break, yeah. Just just why not? Yep. You know, as like some sort of bonus. Uh, bonus buy you know I guess it's what everybody does now but like you know some re-release of gold series you know Rogue One into you know into into the new hope you know
0: yep and as you mentioned you know again you'd think well how are they going to sell a Star Wars movie with no force powers now we do get some great philosophy with the character of Chirrut Imwe who yeah, has a connection incredible. to the Force and is philosophically wise to the Force, but doesn't have traditional Force powers? Although he's blind and can see, so it's debatable whether he might possibly have some Force powers. Especially with the one thing I will give Ryan Johnson credit for with the new vision of the Force, and we see this in Rebels as well as what pe- you know we've been calling the democratization of the Force, which is it's a much more cool but also believable idea that they say the Force runs through all of us, right? And so it doesn't really make sense that a small handful of people would be very strong and everyone else could never use the force no matter what. It makes more sense that the force is in us to varying degrees and you could tap into it even if you weren't able to become a full Jedi but like the boy with the broom at the very end of the last Jedi like you know like is, is he strong enough to be a Jedi? It's, who cares? It's more interesting that he just has you know some connection to the force the way Chirrut Imwe has it. So you do get some force talk and kyber crystals and stuff. but you're not obsessed with it and there was a real discussion in disney and by the way really quickly simmy star wars Uh is disney but lucasfilm uh, is the most by far the most autonomous branch of disney And part of George Lucas's sale to Disney was conditional that Bob Iger, who's the CEO, who I have a lot of respect for, CEO of Disney, that Lucasfilm would have a large degree of autonomy with their movies, with uh, with Kathleen Kennedy running it. And so while, you know, major, like hundreds of millions of dollars or billion dollar deals or decisions have to be run by Disney, Lucasfilm has a good deal Mm -hmm. of autonomy. So the notion. Um, and and by the way you know if Disney had full control I don't know if they would have let Ryan Johnson do some of the stuff he did it was because Kathleen Kennedy specifically wants young creative quirky dark directors to do their visions in Rogue One by the way would you ever Mm -hmm. imagine Disney would allow a movie like Rogue One to happen happen, where they literally kill everyone and as the story goes when Gareth Edwards and the writers uh, uh, he was the director and the writers presented the idea to Kathleen Kennedy of killing them all off because they could justify it for story and character reasons, they immediately were given per- permission to do so, which is really cool. So I just wanted to point that Lucasfilm has a decent amount of autonomy um, from Disney. Um, that being said, the, the Rogue One was a big risk, and the, even though The Force Awakens made $2 billion worldwide, and some of that was just because that was the first good Star Wars movie in 30 years, and people were just so pumped for it. Um, Rogue One made half that at a billion, but, uh, Last Jedi made 1.3 billion, which was maybe slightly less than they expected. So the fact that Rogue One with no lightsabers and such a dark story made almost as much money as episode eight, I think really speaks to the massive success of Rogue One and that people are cool not having Jedis in lightsabers and original cast characters and characters they only get for one movie and still fall in love with. You know what I mean? Um, thoughts.
1: Uh, well, I want to go back to one quick, another like sidebar for what you were saying before about, uh, you know, non force wielders. I always thought it was interesting that, or, or force wielders, non Jedi. I always thought it was interesting that Han, um, Han always like, is like, I have a bad feeling about this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. Han has all these little inklings. So we were talking a little bit before, but, uh, uh, I think on our first podcast about, uh, you know, the bloodline of Jedi's and stuff. So, like, maybe Han had a little something to do, too. And then to answer your question about, you know, the kid who grabs the broom, I actually think that, uh like, he he's like a real Jedi. I think that having been able to, like, just casually use the Force um, and not to, like, divulge into that, mm-hmm. but I think that's, like, the you know, that that there is a future of having, you know, a Jedi school again. You know, there is something that 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 could happen and when i say disney um i think they could have com- com- i guess what i'm saying is they can i do think it's great that they have a complete story autonomy and that is uh, that is an excellent point that they're able to be dark um and kill everybody off and, and, and still be disney um, i guess what i was saying was more like with the marketing that like um you know you can write whatever story we want we just want to make sure that certain people they were like, ah, Finn's not in this one a lot. I think they'd be like, yeah, we're not going to make you do it, but maybe you could add a little bit more of him in there. You know what I mean? That's, I think, what I was say. Like, Absolutely. because, and they're like, ah, all right, we could expand his role a little Maybe there's something of that marketing aspect, but in terms of creativity and allowing them to do it, you know that, you know that they're they're they're, uh, they're expanding. I noticed, uh, you know, they have their own app, Disney. They have their own. Um, mm-hmm you can download just their own Disney app. And then there's like one that you can do a parent or parental advisory. So you wouldn't get some of the star, star Wars stuff and one that you, you, you would get everything. So it just depends on how old your kid is and what you're going to let them explore. But like, you know, there's a Disney, um, you know, Disney G PG, PG 13. And now they're like, you know, something a little bit farther. It's not R, but you know, it's, it, and it's, uh, it's, something a little bit on the harder end of the PG 13, some of this stuff. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I I like the evolution of what they're giving the creativity, but it's still marketing. I guess that's more. Oh no, totally. I don't, I don't think they're in there saying let's do this with this character I think they're like, maybe you could help us out with this. That's how I imagine. Yeah,
0: you know? totally. I mean, but, and again, Disney is an openly very liberal, progressive company, politically, even if they're a giant corporation. And when you look at some of their other movies from their other uh, studios, whether it's Moana or Zootopia, or even the, the sort of revamped portrayal of Beauty and the Beast, which had a lot of feminist themes to it, Disney gets a ton of hate from the right and the alt-right to varying degrees were very upset about both rogue one and the last jedi and the fact that lucasfilm nor disney has backed away from any of the controversy and it's just like look this is our movie you can like it or not but we're not going to apologize and go fuck for yourself it. Yeah. we
1: are the we we are the resistance yeah exactly you know? we like, are the resistance fucking break are, are they really watching the movie like do they not understand that they're the ones cheering for Palpatine? Scene? yeah like get the fuck out of here it's yeah. like what are you doing yeah <laughs> give me a break yep um you were making a, a point before that uh shoot well t- can could we, could we just jump Anyhow. back
0: to Rogue one real quick yeah so my whole long speech a few minutes ago about how it's easier to build uh new material than it is to uh you know build sort of towards a conclusion and make everything work which is really tough So the Mm -hmm. thing that seemed like it was going to be a really big challenge to overcome in Rogue One, but was actually the strength, was that by building to a final goal in Rogue One that we all knew ahead of time, even as casual fans of Star Wars, knew roughly like what the movie was about in terms of what they're trying to accomplish which was the Death Star plans was actually incredibly liberating the more you watch the movie because Gareth Edwards didn't have to worry about you know coming up with that big huge twist at the end now we got spoiler alert guys we got some major twists like everybody dying we've got some major twists like Darth Vader being a total fucking violent badass at the end and then Leia at the end and so forth so we He did get some twists within the movie, but he focused on character development, narrative, story progression, all that good stuff. And the fact that there's no A, B, and C story, really, other than the fact that we spent some time with Krennic, who's awesome, and one of my favorite uh, bad guys in movies, director Krennic, played by Ben Mendelssohn. Yeah. Because he's very he's different incredible. from a lot of villains we get, especially in Star Wars. But other than seeing some of the story from his perspective, there's no A, B, C, D, E storylines. We're following Jin, and then we're following Jin and Cassian, and then we're following Jin and Cassian and Chirrut and Baze, and then we're following them and K2 and Bodhi, do you see what I'm saying? Like, so, it's, real quick,
1: yeah. Some of those scenes, the one, I, I absolutely see what you're saying. But I say I see what you're saying. But uh, just on a side point, some of those give and takes, like with with Tarkin and mm-hmm. him, like are incredible. The give and take with Vader and him is incredible. Like it's great acting, you know. Like it's true. It, it's 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 scene holding. It's 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 like jaw dropping watching the dialogue and watching the back and forth. Mm -hmm. And I also think that also sets aside, like, I think the acting is a little better sometimes uh, in, in Rogue One than in some of the other ones. Like some of the other movies seem a little more fun at times. And Rogue One had that dark, uh, that real dark aspect to it. And just like, you know, really, you know, violent at times at many levels, which was like,
0: and, great <laughs> and this is something I pointed out on another recent podcast about why Rogue One so great is that because it was a one time story with these characters and because literally half the movie is a battle and because they had to sell so much character exposition without too much talking they got all veteran award-winning actors in the movie. I mean, Felicity Jones been nominated for multiple Academy Awards. Diego Luna is one of the most acclaimed actors from Mexico the last twenty years and been in some unbelievable indie movies, both in Spanish and in English. You have Jimmy a, Smith. You got Jimmy Smith. You've got uh, Ben Mendelsohn again as Krennic, who's a, you know a classic um, actor from Australia. You have um, uh, Riz Ahmed who plays uh, Bodhi, who's who's now won Golden Globes and Emmys um, galore. Uh, The two Chinese actors are both very acclaimed actors. I mean, Donnie Yen, if you're into any Kung Fu movies in the last 30 years, he's up there with like Jet Li and those guys uh, who who plays Cheer Root. You got Alan Tudyk, who's hysterical from the Firefly days, doing the voice of K2SO. I mean, literally every actor in the movie is either acclaimed or just veteran, very well-established actors, whereas... You know, as you were hinting at, a lot of the young actors were very unestablished in the the Saga movies, Episode 7 and Episode 8. And I don't really think there's acting problems personally in Episode 7 and 8. But you could not have made Rogue One without award-winning actors like Felicity Jones and Diego Luna in those roles, I and, think.
1: And don't forget uh, Academy Award winner Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker.
0: Yep. I mean... <laughs> James Earl you know, Jones. And, and James Earl
1: Drunker. Jones. Yeah. James Earl Jones. Shit. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I mean, yep. let's not forget those dudes. Those And by the way, those dudes are like, I think I've said this a thousand times on your podcast. before. The, James Earl Jones and Forrest Whitaker are probably two of my favorite. Like, I mean, it'd be hard to narrow them down, but like, I can watch them over and over and over again. Like, I think they're both like, 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 good morning Vietnam with Forrest Whitaker to, You know, like everything that he's done, uh, uh, Last King of Scotland and all that stuff. Like, that's incredible. And then James Earl Jones is like, I feel like my grandfather or something. Like, he's just Mm -hmm. incredible. And that they're part of these projects, it really gives a lot of clout to what what they're doing and that they're, you know, they're both doing the cartoons, you know, like as we as we segue eventually into uh, Rebels, you know, they're. They're both like you know. I was so surprised. I'm like, that's Forrest Whitaker, you know, and he's he's in Rebels. Totally. And look, this is
0: still the first and only war movie in the Star Wars series so far. And I know that there are people out there that wanted like a rated R Saving Private Ryan movie. Sorry, guys, that was never going to happen. This movie is brutally violent. Violent, and they kill off pretty much all the main characters, um, including all the ships. One the by end. one. Yeah including like Admiral one by one they literally yeah you
1: know they start killing them off. like yeah literally and, and there's very very
0: like like uh war movie-esque scenes where like a guy's like okay i'm going in the second he steps out of the ship boom just gets blasted you know what i mean which is very realistic to war um <laughs> And, uh, so yeah, so you get a bunch of veteran actors, you make a Star Wars war movie, you have one central plot leading to the Death Star plans. And as we've talked about, man, it's much cooler, like, plot twists are awesome, but it's actually cooler when you sort of know... What the twist is here it's the Death Star plans But you have no idea how you're going to get there And then when they surprise your expectations So much with the Darth Vader stuff And how they get and transmit the Death Star plans And then the final scene leading up To the Corvette and Leia That actually makes it cooler for me and you know with the prequels the, uh, One of the early narratives of why The prequels failed was pre- You just can't make prequels work I think Rogue One establishes that The failings of the Star Wars prequels Have nothing to do with the fact that they're prequels Because Rogue One is a pure prequel And arguably one of the best Three or four Star Wars movies ever So it actually can be As I've been trying to say very liberating To do prequels because you don't have to Worry what the end goal is and you can just f- you know f- Hone in on character development element and so forth
1: yeah and, it's, and it can be a standalone movie and and, and you know it, that ending scene or that ending scenario of the war i was i watched it again last night uh, by the way i want the only reason why i don't watch it more is just because it's so sad at the end yes. that like i don't want to like fall asleep watching that movie a lot because i don't want to watch the ending before i fall asleep um, same way i don't want to watch 2012 um, before i fall asleep or the hunger games mm-hmm. but uh at the same time uh I want to watch it all the time and that that ending scene is 45 minutes long and it's it's a whole standalone episode you know of of watching them you know get the plans and transmit them and mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, starting to see some of the characters that you're, you're gonna see in a new hope um, and and just watching everything transpire like it's it's like its own standalone like if it was a TV show, a TV show, you know, like, well, 45 minute episode of, uh, you know, all these pieces coming together to, uh, you know, make the rebellion work. Yeah. Um, my last thought
0: or two about Rogue One, and then, um, I'll give it to you and then we can maybe move on to our, our final section is first of all, the surrounding literature and books and comics for Rogue One has been unbelievable. And I I am fully, Uh, in belief that a movie should all complete especially star wars movie should stand on its own and i know tons of people who at least like rogue one who have never touched the secondary literature but i definitely think rogue one this this phrase is overused but i think you'd agree with me that in this case rogue one was one of those movies that was quote made for the fans because when you read Catalyst, and I hope you read Rebel Rising, by the way, because it's very short. It's technically teen fiction, but it's really dark because of the stuff Jin Erso has to do to survive. Puts her through the ringer. When you read those books, and all the main characters are comic books K2 uh, and Cassian had great comic books, Cheroot and Baze had comic books. You know, people just wanted more and more of the characters. You have to remember, man, a lot of people did not like the Jin Erso character initially coming out of the movie now, like me is like one of favorite or favorite new star Wars character because we've learned so much more about her. And because Felicity Jones's portrayal is so subtle and it's one of those movies that rewards you on repeat watchings. And I'll just say, and I'll throw it to you for final thoughts on the new movies is you, you kind of hinted at this earlier about sort of, I don't know, I guess sort of like the experience when first watching versus later watchings or whatever I was so giddy as everyone was watching episode seven because we never thought we were going to get a great, great, great Star Wars movie again. Let's be honest, right? You sit down, whatever the flaws and whatever the problems we had, when you watch episode seven for the first time in the theater, it's just like giddiness. When I watched Rogue One, I can't explain why. but for some reason when I watched Rogue One for the first time I knew in the back of my mind I said I really like this movie right now but I have a feeling I'm going to love this movie when I can because it's so deep and so dark and depressing but also so hopeful and beautiful I just had a feeling that on repeat watchings and over time I was going to love it more and you know Last Jedi was more like Force Awakens where I personally loved it the first time but I also knew immediately I was not going to end up you know it wasn't going to end up higher on my Than Rogue One. That's just me knowing my tastes and kind of knowing, you know, that I do repeat watchings and and stuff going on to the future. Um, So I guess my final question on this topic is: Is I mean, when we look, let's cut to the chase. Was Rogue One better because it had nothing to do with the new saga, or was it just the better movie that happened to have nothing to do with the new saga, or both?
1: I think it. I think it's because it has nothing to do with the new saga, and I'll tell you why. I, I think it doesn't owe anybody anything, you know? It, ju- it just doesn't need to ha- have this dude do this. It doesn't need to address this issue. It starts and it really finishes, mm. you know? There's no open-endedness. You see, spoiler alert, everybody dies you know admiral uh, uh akbar makes it out you know and wait in rogue, see in see rogue one die? in rogue one oh isn't isn't admiral well, no sorry, admiral radis radis oh, is another right, mon
0: calamar right. but he they don't show it but his ship is disabled and he gets killed off screen cuz that's his capital ship Uh, is where the corvette with leia is hiding and by the way how cool is it that leia was literally at at scarif and she saw the whole thing go down and how that informed her you know going into a new hope being even more of a rebel than ever before seeing the sacrifice they were making i just think it's so cool
1: that this is real and that, like, we're now, we, like, watching everybody, yeah, watching yeah. all the martyrs, you know, yeah. and, like, seeing, totally. like, what this is building on. Yeah, yeah totally. absolutely. Totally. But, yeah, you just don't, excuse me, it just doesn't owe anybody anything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's standalone, the characters all are yeah. all, all standalone, and, uh, no matter what, or who you are, like, you know, you always want more, and you know, like, unless they do a pre-prequel, you know, like, uh, to to Rogue One, which I don't think they do. Like you just what's in there, the books. It's, like, it's
0: great. You can pursue it if right. you want. You don't have to.
1: Right. And you just you just you just painfully lose all your friends and um mm-hmm. and they don't but they don't build anything. They don't add anything that they didn't need. Like they they all had purpose and uh, yep. You know it's a real uh, a real uh, a real layer of the rebellion. A real uh, yep. a seed, if not like the initial plant of the rebellion.
0: And then on the smaller level, then I'm really going to shut up and we're going to move on they even take some very cliched movie tropes and make them work better than ever before like the daddy daughter love story 99% of the time in Hollywood the daddy daughter love story is way over the top in sentimentality and doesn't work in this it was gorgeous I mean who can forget the scene of Jin seeing her father's hologram with Saw Gerrera and collapsing to her knees crying and seeing that or the last moment they get to sp- I mean Mads Mickelson, again a, a super award winning actor who plays Galen Urshan so in it is amazing um or
1: even just the name stardust should be cheeseball but like it still gives me chill you know what i mean like it should be it should be this cheesy stupid scene that you're like eh they don't know uh all right let's just get through this it's not like like yeah, and maybe it's because i read maybe it's because i read cattle no
0: no but- no. you're right and what's funny is people make fun of that and you often hear people make fun of the um rebellions are built on hope but the fact that people say it over and over and over again just shows how much they like it deep down and by the way if you love star wars and you don't realize that some good cheese in star wars is necessary and that we love it like you need a little bit more self-awareness like look at the original trilogy
1: yeah i love you i know right yeah right <laughs>
0: All right, man. Well, this has been a great discussion. Um, as we said off by, it could be great to talk more Rogue One in the future um, because we love the movie so much. And as I've been hinting people, I think I'm going to do a second commentary for Rogue One, which I've never done before, just because the first one I did was right after the movie you know, came out. It was still fresh. I already loved it at that time, but I couldn't imagine how much I loved it going forward not to mention man oh can i mention one more great thing about uh, rogue one sure so the first thing i did not want initially in rogue one was too much daddy daughter stuff but ended up loving it because the Jin galen relationship was so great um and of course right, you were saying that yeah um the second thing i didn't want was a love story But what was so brilliant about the movie was it wasn't really a traditional love story. And because of the situation, they never had time to really explore it one way or the other. But I just felt that Diego Luna and uh, and Felicity Jones had such great just physical chemistry with each other. That it made it more heartbreaking at the end when they died together, not just because of that image and how sad it was, but because neither more of them ex- neither of them expected it to turn it to anything. But by the very end, you're going, "Oh, these guys would be great together." You know, so it was the non-traditional love story, or whatever you want to call it. Also,
1: you it know, was the non-sexual. It was the yeah. non-sexual love story. It had a lot right. of a little bit of sexual tension per yeah. se, but like yes. it didn't really. But it was you know they didn't touch yeah. each other. They never had a kiss scene. They didn't have the Leia well, Han moment. They.
0: They didn't touch you know. each other, but there is that scene towards the very end where they're leaning right up against each other in the elevator, and the pheromones are just flying all over the place. Um, right, which is great. Also, you know, my hashtag, my the my the famous Bizzle hashtag is Jin Urso is my wife. Though for me, for me, Felicity Jones is Jin Urso in Rogue One, it does not get better than that in my in my book. Um, so, uh, but Bizzlecast listeners know this well, and Brick Girl, a Jedi geek girl, give me a hard time about this all the time. Uh, so, uh, God bless that movie. I'm
1: more into I'm more into Aliens because I like you know Ahsoka <laughs> as a cartoon form, I guess.
0: Which we're about so. to get to. We're gonna talk some Rebels, and then love of, you too, Reyna. Uh, yeah. Shout out to my fiance. <laughs> <laughs> um, a quick piece of news, though, man. While we took a quick break there uh the han solo trailer looks like he's probably going to drop this week or next at the latest which is great i actually really liked the first one and i think people liked it more than they were expecting it expecting to i also think donald glover as billy d williams version of lando is going to just be spectacular um but listen to this So despite firing the directors, bringing in Ron Howard, having to reshoot the whole movie, still getting it out on time somehow, and all the controversy around it, and people still not totally sold about the new Han Solo, blah, 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 it is tracking 150 million opening weekends, which is almost Rogue One. So if if it's anywhere near that, that's already a huge uh, success for them, because highly hyped movies like Ready Player One, which just came out, I think made like 40 million opening weekend, even Wonder. Wonder woman made a hundred million now wonder woman had a lot of legs and by the way they announced wonder woman was the most profitable movie last year in hollywood which is yeah, a superhero movie superhero movie yeah um so that's great news for han solo that the the interest is still very much there and let's be honest if you're a big fanboy and you didn't like last jedi specifically because it didn't feel like star wars or the star wars that you're used to seeing the han solo movie is exactly the medication you need assuming it's good right
1: well, it's amazing that uh, you know I, I made the faux pas of saying right December and like it's it's like it was like a true Freudian slip because like the expectation wouldn't be that like you know Jedi uh, the last Jedi gets to Blu Ray or whatever and then or comes out streaming and and then you know three months later uh, uh, you have or two months later two and a half months later you have Solo coming out so like I just thought in my mind like there's no way it's that quick because i forgot for a second you know but like that's that's kind of like what's amazing about what they're doing now like they're 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 keeping us on edge and keeping our excitement and like keeping us in the story and they're 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 taking us left they're taking us right uh and they're taking us all over the place and like uh leaving us begging for more even if it wasn't the best of the best, this last one, even if it didn't go this direction that you wanted to, mm-hmm. there's track your solo's is tracking 150 million because like, you know, the, the we want more, we want to see what's next. we well, just give us more, show me, show me the next Pez dispenser, you know, show me the next, uh, you know, the, the, the whole line of, of, of storyline of, of how they're going to go with this prequel of this story that we've been die that I've been dying for, you know, since I was a little kid, like, tell me more about Han. Like he, he's, he's towards the end of his debauchery in the, in this, uh, uh, in this trilogy that I grew up with, you know, tell me about when he was really crazy, when he was really young, you know, and that's what I'm, you know, super stoked for, uh, super stoked for solo for, um, yeah. And actually, yeah,
0: actually really quick. Um, so now I mentioned about how I love and how fans love how much material has been released around rogue one. Mm -hmm. But that's understandable because we know a lot about the period from the beginning of episode one to episode six. Everyone wants to know what happened between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. Now, there was Bloodline, which in my mind is still the best new Star Wars book by far. Um, I haven't read a lot of them, but Bloodline's a great, great, great book. Um, But uh, I also want to mention that, you know, they've had to be restrained about releasing books and comics related to the new saga movies because they don't want to give away things. For the saga movie. So I think after episode nine, there's going to be a huge influx of stuff, both about the original cast, post Return of the Jedi, as well as, you know, new casts like Ben Solo at a young age. Like, we'll get the full, you know, how did Ben Solo turn? How did that go down? Luke's Academy and all that stuff. But that being said, now that we know Luke's story in, in regards to losing Ben, now that Luke is dead, um, it seems um, that they really need to give us something more with Luke uh, in the other literature right now to fill in some of those gaps. And maybe it'll help make his character in Last Jedi make more sense.
1: Absolutely. And also just to just uh, add into that concept of Rogue One versus the other ones, you know, a lot of this we we talked about my Pez collection. There are no Rogue One uh, Pez. They didn't make a single character for any of Rogue One, and by now they they would have by now because they've already done um, they've done seven and eight. So they're not you know they would have already come out with it. So I don't think they're doing it,
0: which will, is interesting.
1: Yeah, I will say um, there's a
0: ton of Rogue One toys, and especially for Gen. There, you can get, you know, girls costumes, like the Jenner. So costume for girls. You can, I I got recently on sale, uh, you know what the black series is?
1: Yeah, you showed me. That looked great. That yeah. looks great. So honestly,
0: the Black Series goes back to the way pre-Disney Lucas days of sort of you know very high quality, tons of um, detail, six-inch figures that are kind of a hybrid of a toy and just a sort of a collectible. You know, it's not a full-on right. toy, but it's you know meant to be displayed more so. I got a Gen One. Uh, that's that's awesome. So I was pumped about that, and uh, you know I. Th- think um as we transition into the animated series uh, with rebels i also want to give a shout out to forces of destiny which has gotten shit on uh not surprisingly by you know so-called old school star wars fans who are mostly older white and male again the very problematic population um when it comes to this and other things yeah, forces yeah, of Destiny. Teaching
1: general lessons you learn when you're five yeah and, like, they're, they're like, why would you do that? That sounds stupid.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they specifically made these two-and-a-half-minute 2D beautifully animated shorts about all the female characters in Star Wars and these little mini-adventures that fill in different parts of their lives. So there's, a, you know, three Jyn Erso episodes. There's a few uh, – um, there's a bunch of Ray, like, when she's still on Jakku. There's some Padme right. and Ahsoka episodes. And
1: they're cute. They're cute. I didn't watch them all, like – I actually probably will, but I'm waiting to watch them with my goddaughter, who's uh, four, and it's perfect for that because she's a fan and she's kind of grew up with some of the other ones. But now this, you know, I'm, I'm excited that as she'll ease into this, this will be more age appropriate. But um, yeah, yeah, they're teaching good lessons. It's a cute little, it's a cute little story. Yeah, and storyline bo- story for
0: all the money. That fanboys spend on Star Wars merchandise, but for them to get up in arms that somehow Forces of Destiny was just a cash grab to sell toys and t shirts to little girls absolutely just infuriates and angers me. Because
1: the whole movie's about a, a superhero girl. Why? What does that mean? Oh, they, they, that's
0: bullshit. Come on. I know. Especially because the what cartoons idiot. from the production quality have been very high quality. The the dolls and action figures and clothes have been extremely high quality. These uh, characters ac- are high quality.
1: Yeah, actually, they, I mean they, they're incredible characters. Yeah. These these women are portraying incredible characters, and yeah. and and these storylines are elaborate and they're incredible. And also, I think not not to keep you know buffing no, uh, Rogue One, but seeing seeing her as a little girl and then watching her, like it's, you know, watching her progress, you know, you know, living with saw till she was like 14 or whatever. Like, God, it's just crazy. Like she's so hardcore. Like she's such a a role model, like to see her like morality, even though, uh, she's been so scarred, you know?
0: Oh yeah. And to I mean, when I saw the episode where, uh, jen bumps into sabine on lothal and they meet each other i'm like i'm in
1: i'm sold oh i haven't seen that oh wow you just made me want to watch all those oh you have to all the
0: ahsoka ones are brilliant too
1: uh i kind of i just watched a few of them and it was just like okay this is for five year olds. no offense i it you know i mean i watched the one where she makes friends with the monster and saves bb8 and that's Ray. Um, That's Ray. Ray, Ray, not Yeah, Jen. the Ray uh, ones are
0: the weakest. The Soka ones oh. with Padme actually are quite good. There's one, they finally released one where, you know, we all kind of assumed in the Clone Wars, why don't we just transition right into the animated series here? Oh, real we, quick,
1: Padme's my only six inch character I have, and I have Luke with the medallion that he wins. <laughs> Those be
0: inches, I, I was going to make a six-inch character joke, but I won't go there. Um, Basically, a six-inch doll
1: of Natalie Portman, which yeah. is a little creepy, actually.
0: Yeah, and, and Padme, you know, like Anakin, was way cooler and more interesting in the Clone Wars than in the, in the movies, which was intentional, I assume. Uh, but mm-hmm. w- w- one of the new forces of destiny is... You know how in the Clone Wars, even though Ahsoka's really young, she's a wise old soul, as you described her? and yeah w- we always assumed that ahsoka knew what was going on between anakin and padme but they never openly talked to- in the new force of destiny they go on a mission the three of them together and ahsoka sees that how the two of them respond when they think they're all gonna you know die basically and her and Padme have a moment um and uh just kind of confirms what we always knew. so i love that stuff you know like right. just give it to us and also It's just beautiful to see 2D animated Ahsoka, you know? It's just just gorgeous to see these designs of these characters in 2D in particular. I love and the transition i was going to make man is that so you know dave filoni who was hired by george lucas to do the clone wars and then was you know the head of rebels but he left being a full-time rebels executive a year or two ago to run the quote-unquote animated division of Lucasfilm. everyone's going well what is this because other than rebels and occasional forces of destiny apparently they're working on at least two new animated series one of which is geared very much for kids and one of which is more for like all ages so more like rebels but maybe even a little bit more adult and a lot of us have been hypothesizing this is the time to do sort of the post return of the jedi adventures of luke han and leia kind of thing right would make a ton of sense i think for a cartoon now and get some of that information so we'll let's save speculation for the end so oh, you don't
1: want me to speculate on that right now if you just teased it go Dude, aren't they gonna do the one with Ahsoka now? Ahsoka and Sabine.
0: Okay, well that's that's what I want to save till the end.
1: In search of Ezra. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sorry, no. I ruined it. I ruin everything. Yeah. And by the way, <laughs>
0: I, I've all, I've been predicting... That's
1: all I wanted to talk about this whole time. Uh, yeah, I know. Go
0: we're we're going to get there real soon. Look, I've been predicting from the beginning that Ahsoka was not dead, that she was going to come back, that she was going to survive all of this stuff. And so, spoiler alert, at the very end of Rebels, so we'll work backwards here. We see Sabine and Ahsoka older um uh, you know in the return of the jedi era uh, and so forth i think my theory for ahsoka making an appearance in episode 9 is very much in play i'm not saying they're gonna do it but w- considering ahsoka is still the single most popular across ages i think of all the new characters they have to at least be considering now that we saw amazing ahsoka episodes towards the end of rebels and we know she's still alive and we know that her species can live a pretty long time and i think she'd be the perfect mentor for ray who still hasn't been Properly mentored, by the way, you know, it would be it would be really really cool. um I don't know, Simi. I don't know where to start with this. Rebels has been off for a few weeks. I did a full Rebels retrospective with Jedi Geek Girl. I have so much to talk about. I was going to open with the general, you know, how did you feel the second half of the season and and, and, and you know, the, especially the last few episodes went. But if you want to jump in on something else, please go ahead.
1: Yeah, let's just jump in on my girl. I mean, so like, let's. I just want to think about this for a minute and like, just kind of really get into like what happened with little Um, so you said something interesting right now. So that leads me to believe that you don't think what I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so you said, you said her, her species lives for a while. So she could, you know, she could theoretically keep living. Like, um, I went back into this pretty deeply and I went, I went and watched the altars of Mortis uh, back in clone wars. And so I kind of like got into this, like dove into this rabbit hole pretty deeply. So, um, stop me if I need to get into something more, if I like skim over it. Okay. Um, but basically, uh, the altars of mortis is, uh, we've talked about this before mm-hmm. and you told me I need to go back and watch it. And I did. I did um, too. and I, I really wish I had gone back and watched it a long time ago. Cause it's really, cause like the thing about clone wars, I like, I really like Clone wars, but it, it really, um, at some level there's a monotony to it. Like there's a repetitiveness yep. and there's like a lot of filler. There's a lot of seasons and it, I think they're great and I want to watch them again. But you know, I really skimmed over those episodes, but now after watching like what the heck happened with Ahsoka, like I had to go back and watch this because um, so the murals on the, I to parlay from, um, the altars of mortis of mortis, uh, yeah, the altar just, of mortis to, just to rebels. Just try and, um, because you,
0: you don't have to go into full explanation, but just make sure that you're referring to is a clone wars as a rebels like later.
1: So season? there's two of them because this is a, this is a combo episode. So, um, the mural on rebels That you see in uh, in the wolves episode, where they the wolves give uh, in the episode uh, Doom, the wolves give the key to the map uh, of uh, the altars of Mortis, which is the uh, the the map is the mural on the wall of uh, episode uh, twelve, wolves in a door. So you go look at the mural in the Jedi temple and the, uh, the emperor is trying to access uh, what seems to be some sort of a world. So <clears throat> what ends up happening is uh, Ahsoka has an opportunity to be saved by Ezra, which is like pretty incredible, but The reason why she's saved and the reason why she's alive goes back to the Altars of Mortis, which is from Clone Wars. So that's why this is really kind of complicated. Because in that episode, so now I'm transferring over, in the episode of the Altars of Mortis, Ahsoka is resurrected by the daughter. And the daughter is the figure Mm -hmm. to the left on the the mural. Ahsoka's dead. dead. She's straight up dead. She dies. The the, the son on the right in the mural of, of rebels. Uh, it's the father, the son, and the daughter, the father's in the middle, the daughter's to the left and the son is to the right. And the son, uh, possesses Ahsoka in the altars of mortis, uh, there's three episodes in, uh, in clone wars. He, he takes over her body. He totally possesses her. And then he kills her after he possesses her. Mm-hmm. And then the daughter resurrects her. And the process of the resurrection of Ahsoka Tana happens through Anakin Skywalker, mm-hmm. who inevitably kills the son and is supposed to take the father's place. I, if anyone's interested in the Force at all, please go watch the on Netflix. Go watch these three episodes. I skimmed over them the first time I watched them, and I didn't really realize how much of the force is, is really revealed to you in these three episodes. It simplifies it at some level, um, also makes it more complex because you can divulge into so many more rabbit holes. Mm-hmm. But um, in the end, knowing that Ahsoka is resurrected, you said that um, you said that she, uh, her species lives for a while. I think she's. Um, I think she's kind of like Yoda, like right now. Like I think she's like, get. I mean, and she came back looking like Gandalf. I mean, in that in, at the end of Rebels, like she was resurrected yet again. Basically, she was resurrected twice. Mm-hmm. She didn't. She didn't. She didn't not die. Vader killed her in the normal line, and then Ezra saves her in the in the in the rebel in in the in this yeah. other line. So she she she's basically been come came back to life twice because i don't think she can die because i think she has the daughter's spirit within okay her.
0: okay hold on hold on pause there's
1: a lot here there's pause. so much here pause.
0: go ahead okay i'm gonna start parsing this partially for myself partially for the listeners so first of all the so-called second time she came back to life as you call it was uh, could also be just interpreted as ezra um, doing, by the way, what I have said for a long time now, Star Wars could pull off, and everyone says Star Wars can never pull this off and will never do time travel. Well... One of people's favorite episodes of Rebels is the third to last episode, A World Between Worlds, where it appears very clear that right during the fight from season two with Anakin Skywalker is saved by some sort of time travel when Ezra's in the world between worlds and pulls her out of it and from her present into her future, which is Ezra's present, if that makes sense. Now,
1: at the heart of the first, at, at the heart of the Force, there is no time.
0: Yeah, and that's all I've been saying. I've like yeah. when I when I talk about this, I'm like I'm why not, not the talking about can travel in
1: time. Yeah, I'm not because talking about. They can manipulate. It, yeah, I'm not right.
0: talking about Terminator or Looper or Twelve Monkeys time travel. No. I, yeah, I'm just saying. When they talk about vergences in the Force, we, all, we it's mostly been explored through space, you know, warping space, being able to, you know, grab lightsabers and, you know, jump great distances and cause things to crumble or explode or whatever. But vergences also include vergences in time. And they finally explored it in a world between worlds, which I want to get back to in one second. Really quickly, back to Mortis, though, I agree with you, I think if I'm understanding you right, that by being resurrected essentially in the way she was resurrected and and the the mortis um sort of what was going on in mortis with these seemingly immortal beings that it would make sense that some or all of that immortality rubbed off on her right
1: well i think i i think it's interesting to emphasize anakin's role in this anakin was the vehicle to which to the 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 daughter gave her life and then anakin Uh, And then the sun is what killed her in the first place. And then Anakin is what literally most in one line of time kills her in another line of time is then saved. So, and this all goes through um, another metaphor of dark and light and the struggle of uh, of the chosen one. Um, But I mean... I feel like we could have a whole episode just on the altars of Mortis and Ahsoka and like what I think about what she's going to become and what, and who she is now. Mm -hmm. The the fact that like she then gets out of that uh, time warp that she falls into um, with uh, Ezra goes to one door and and she follows her spirit animal, which is the spirit animal of, uh, uh, of the daughter as well. So I think like she is basically the daughter, but Ahsoka. Like she's she has all all the influence of the daughter, but she's still Ahsoka, and that's why she has such. I think what we'll, we will see is she, she's going to have some extreme power, and I think they're going to have a whole kind of new line. She was ignored in the first, um, you know, bringing of, of of Anakin, and like you didn't even get to see that she had a Padawan, and now. You know, you got to see that all in Clone Wars and they saw the success of that. And now, like, she gets to be who she always was. And, and now we actually get to see kind of a new line of a new character, like, and, and what her role is going to be. Because I think her role is big. And I think I think that's what the cartoon is going to be. And I hope they make a movie out of it soon. I hope she, I hope she gets to be a character because she's incredible, like, who she is, what she represents, how she grapples with all these things. Um, and at this point, like, she's literally like Gandalf. She has like a staff, and she has a white cloak, and you know she didn't fall through heaven and hell and water and fire to you know deal with some nonsense. Like she's you know ready to take names and kick ass. Well, arguably so, she's uh, more I'm powerful. Excited than, about her.
0: She's more powerful than Gandalf because Gandalf still experiences other than his you know. Holy we're gonna rebirth, go down this hole or whatever <laughs> gandalf's lived gandalf's lived for four thousand years and he's experienced every one of those years as if he were mortal, even though he's very powerful this is something totally right. different i'm and, like we're gonna go down this rabbit yeah, hole we can and, do that we
1: can do that yeah, you want to do that like not now but we can do that. well and again my whole notion
0: of ahsoka and obi-wan having an adventure together through time um, I always thought it would work, but I did agree with people that doing straight up time travel would be a tough sell. But now, not only has Ahsoka been in the World Between Worlds, but she's experienced it and as smart as she is, wise as she is, come to understand it, seems extremely possible that she could have another adventure utilizing World Between Worlds. You don't want to overuse something like that in the Star Wars universe or in storytelling, but I think whether turn Obi Wan or whatever, you know, like if she goes to Obi Wan and says, Hey, there's this there's this giant um Uh, corruption and the vergences of the force, say, 500 years ago or whatever, and we need to go fix it, and Obi-Wan's like, yeah, that's very funny. How the hell do you expect to do that? And then she opens the world between worlds, now that she's experienced it, I I think is is very doable. And, you know, I know Dave Filoni, who did write and direct pretty much all the last four or five episodes of Rebels, which is great, because often showrunners, it's not the case by the time show's wrapping up, but it is his baby, and he was the one to make the decision to end it definitively at, after four seasons, which we, I want to get into in a second about that decision, but he d- he couldn't have introduced something like that without it going through the story group, right? Pablo Hidalgo, mm-hmm. the head of Lucasfilm, Kathleen Kennedy, Matt Martin, like all of these people, Ryan Johnson is definitely on the story group now, so like that definitely had to get approved by the story group because there you know, there are people that now have to deal with either explaining in the future how this is used and why it's used or why it's not used when it could be being used you know what I mean I think they did a really mm-hmm. nice job of opening up this amazing idea which by the way in some of the great works of fantasy that I love that aren't as popular as Tolkien but are you know almost as great and, and brilliant um, just people think of it as science fiction but it's really a fantasy thing about the world between worlds um, because you know in fantasy it seems like everything's just, you know everything in Tolkien is middle earth and why would they ever think that there was anything other than Middle Earth? But in some fantasy, there are you know wizards and mages and, and so forth who are so smart that they know that there are other worlds out there, maybe even infinite other worlds. And because of magic and because of doorways into world between worlds or, or so forth, are able to access that or at least learn about that. So it fits perfectly in the science fantasy, if you will, aspect of Star Wars. I think. Um, so re- I think. Uh,
1: yeah, uh, <clears throat> I think uh I think they did a really good job in the simplicity of how they made it as well like just a huge you know black uh planetarium mm-hmm. of with different complex paths mm-hmm. that enter into doors you know I think it's going to be an incredible task to do that in a movie I also think um it's going to be an incredible task to do the wolves if the wolves are the means of how they transport and tra- uh, uh, travel through time in a movie. Because I think um, in a cartoon, you're the way at least my brain works, I'm able to run with it a little bit more and give it that creativity. And I think, um, you know, to go full circle with what we were talking about with Jedi, like, I think that's my problem with Jedi. Like, it's just, you know are you going to take me out of my mindset and of the world and feel that we're not you know, playing in real, in real life anymore or in the, in the world that you've created? Like all of a sudden you've made something to me that I feel is a little unrealistic. So if they can remain, if, if a world between worlds can remain realistic as they make it in a movie, I think it's going to be challenging um, because again, the more magic you bring into it, how do you, how do you create the magic and, and how, how realistic can you make it with the CGI? You can do anything. you can make anyone fly. You can do this and do that. But like, can you watch it and make it seem realistic? And that's the challenge. That's the challenge. Can you make the magic work? So Mm -hmm. um, in the cartoon, I thought they did a spectacular job. I mean, and, I want to buy one of those T-shirts with a wolf on it that yeah. Dave Floney wears all the time, and um, I like that. That's the you know kind of message moving forward. And I think I said this on one of your podcasts before that, like the gray, that like she is the gray, and like gray is her color, and her sabers are gray or white or whatever you want to call it. And like it's because she's not a Jedi, she's definitely not a Sith, but she's a she's and she's not the Bendu, but like she's something different you know she's she's somewhere in between and i think the creativity of her character Mm -hmm. um and everything that she can be if they do it right will be wonderful but like there's all these other challenges within creating her character just to do her leku properly and and like uh you know not make her look a fool not make her look like uh jar jar biggs well we've had
0: we've had practical twi'leks going back to return of the jedi i think they could easily pull off a fully practical so (laughs)
1: easily well uh it's still gonna be challenging it's still it, honestly there's just gonna be normal scenes um where y- it's gonna be challenging for sometimes it not to look cartoonish even with all the cgi well, so go look, go
0: back and watch Jabba's palace and return of the jedi and tell me that those twi'leks don't look totally convincing with their i
1: agree history. with you but it's only a it's only you know go look at the uh the in, in return of the jedi when they're with all the bounty hunters you know it's great for a shot or two you know, but like for like a main character, you know, all the we dialogue had Chuck D all also the everything. in the prequels
0: who was fully practical. Tweelock, who also looked really good, but I know. Charlie.
1: Okay. You know what I mean? I I, all right. I, I, I'm, just, not we, okay. I'm not so saying they can't. I'm can I'm just saying it's yeah. challenge.
0: Let's get <laughs> back to the, the philosophical stuff really quick, which is sure. Ahsoka subscribes to the science fiction trope where she's concerned about not disrupting the time flow. Basically right which is one of those things that uh heady sci-fi properties that talk about time travel.
1: wait wait wait. are you talking about like when she tells him not to save uh doom
0: um she says yes
1: yes well but she's also saying that like you've already you were only she's kind of saying you were only here to like save me, and learn the lesson that you can't do that. No,
0: but she does specifically that, mention not changing fate, I believe, as she calls it.
1: Well, but she she meant, like, you meant... But then she explains, like, that means, like, you and your whole crew are, like, probably going to die.
0: Sure. But it, I'm, I'm saying it at least taps into the notion that even if there so is time travel... He may have travel, disappeared,
1: right? He may yeah. have just disappeared. Yeah. He may have saved Doom, brought him into... Uh, a world between worlds and then it's like Ahsoka and Doom and then Ezra just fades away hmm mm-hmm. theoretically I mean you're right but like what I, I don't know what they're going to do with this timeline mm-hmm. and I also think it, I also didn't really necessarily understand like where Ahsoka pops out as that was a little confusing
0: well if Ezra can manipulate it and then Ahsoka's inside I think she could figure it out um, with her incredible right. brains
1: and force powers and her bird, <laughs> yeah. Um, the bird, but the bird is the, that's how she knows that she's supposed to go to mm-hmm. the one panel, and, and as supposed to go to the other. I will say this bird. is
0: not the first time on film or television that we've seen something like this. I don't know if you remember. Uh, <laughs> people either don't remember or try to forget, even though I love it. Still, the first sequel to the Matrix, The Matrix Reloaded, where. Uh, i love them all yeah uh, i mean
1: um, but I, I know there's i know some yeah yeah. yeah whatever right, whatever right, some right, other time right. so where neo and yeah.
0: morpheus have to go to the source and they find the key maker and they're you know like well, you, the you open the door and then you close the door and he cl- clicks the lock and opens it someplace else but then they find that right. back door and what does it look like an endless hall of nondescript doors as if you're in the bowels of an office building right Right. Um, and there's which no possible hell. way <laughs> which is literally hell <laughs> which is literally hell and which is you, you. would if they didn't have the key maker they would have no idea where to go until they get to the source door which Neo is able to identify that's the you whole point see, kind of, of course right. at the time both the viewer and the characters don't realize that it's all a manipulation he's supposed to go to the source to reboot the matrix in an endless cycle of destruction and rebirth of according the to the and machines destruction and rebirth. Right. exactly but i love that vision and that's what i was going to say it however you decide to manifest it if you're going to do world between worlds you have to do that super minimalist thing where every right. door and every passageway looks the same because it's actually really frightening um that notion right that, that, that unless you know where you're going or you get lucky you can literally get caught in eternity right um between an infinite number of worlds. Interesting to think, by the way, um, whether some or many of those doors leads to other galaxies and other universes or whether it's just the Star Wars galaxy.
1: Or who the fuck has access to this shit? Like, that's just crazy. Is Ezra Bridger? And by the way, um, so real quick, Luke Skywalker, like Sky bright mm-hmm. light side right mm-hmm. Darth vader dark mm-hmm. right ezra bridger yep. like he he's the bridger he bridges shit between yep. worlds mm-hmm. and i also love that his parents are like basically israeli which is hilarious well
0: but- and also ezra being one of the great later prophets in the old testament as well
1: right but like a frying mm-hmm. <laughs> well and how about Ephraim? the fact that his mentor's
0: <laughs> name is essentially canaan
1: Right, yeah, I thought there was a bunch of awesome, like, you know, shout-outs to the Old Testament. Well, I think, look, um, here's
0: the thing. So, first of all, <laughs> the unlocking of the puzzle uh, of the of the Trinity or whatever you want to call it, the mother, the father, the son, and the daughter, um, w- of course, is reminiscent of, you know, Gandalf trying to unlock the door to Moria um, with all the rooms. Mention the word
1: friend. All right. <clears throat> and you shall go. What's the Elvish word for? Benlock. Yeah. Which of I course in
0: the book Gandalf Solves Not Frodo, but whatever. Um, and we know that there's you know, I mean, they named the second to last episode a fool's hope. Like we know the Feloni's a massive Lord of the Rings fan, and it was really obvious in these. Oh episodes. my god, he
1: totally Like I, I honestly it was a little gratuitous. The, well that was which, gonna be one of my which, questions, because so so it
0: wasn't to me and I've asked people who aren't huge Lord of the Rings fans who mostly have liked it, but I was gonna ask you if you thought it was gratuitous. It,
1: I mean with the, the white cloak and the you actually the only thing, um, the only thing you hear is Ahsoka like putting her um, staff down. You hear it thud, you know. So like she doesn't make a sound except for like putting her staff down, and it's like a half moon, and she's like gray again, gray Gandalf the gray, Gandalf the white, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but I love it. I mean, cause like she she she's the She's the true, like she's the truth, you know. Like to me, like from Hell in High Water*, I just hope that they do her character well when when they actually do her in uh, in some in the live action movies. Okay. Um, so like I'm just really looking forward to seeing what they do. And by the way, uh, if they're doing a live action Mulan. Why aren't people more excited for that? That shit looks awesome.
0: Oh, I'm so pumped! I like, posted about that recently. We, we were saying to that about, about
1: like. I meant to say that like an hour ago. Go ahead. Sorry.
0: I think it's just because they haven't been <laughs> overexposing advertising for it. and There's not much coming out this summer, and that's coming out in the fall. I think as soon as they drop uh, the big Mulan trailer this summer, people are going to go apeshit for it. Yeah. I think the, the trouble they're going to – the fine line is how do you make a progressive modern Mulan that is um, uh, palatable to both – not in terms of her race, but in terms of her culture, palatable to both Americans and the Chinese, where they could easily make $500 million. No- By the way, can I j- really quickly, the state of the film industry, mm-hmm. three of the four top movies, like all of the top movies grossing this year, other than Black Panther, are Chinese movies, which have made 300 to $500 million apiece in China. So you have Black Panther, which made 600 million here, and then you have three movies in China which have already made a combined over a billion dollars, and then you have. A drop off to almost nothing so the chinese film industry is destroying the american film industry right now and it's not close now after avengers and han solo and maybe deadpool maybe we'll see you know a little bit of parody but at the moment it's pretty this is the first year normally there's one or two chinese movies that make that much money the fact that they have three already and so it'll be interesting to see how mulan is received by the chinese i'm sure it will do
1: great here yeah yeah as long as they don't make a white girl do it well because especially
0: because if you look at Mulan's character (laughs) she's very Rey-esque I think right
1: yeah I I, I'm just excited I just really like this live action aspect too and that it's an ethnic superhero again like more more of that is great
0: and it was one in the animated version a female ethnic superhero yeah it was, it was, it, but even when the original came out in a time where you got a lot of sexist or racist portrayals, that is pretty much agreed upon by most people that that was an excellent portrayal, complicated portrayal of a woman in ancient Chinese culture. Like, you don't, you, you know, like it was pretty impressive even at the time. So they have big shoes to fill there,
1: but we're getting off track here. Hey man, we're fighting that right now. Anyway. So, yeah, yeah, that was so my
0: okay. So I have two, I just have two main questions uh, and then we'll pretty much wrap up, I think. So um, sure. one, uh, the first question is uh, save the lore and future stuff. Cause that's going to be my final question. Just in terms of a viewing experience in terms of art and entertainment, How do you think uh, Dave Filoni and the Rebels crew at Lucasfilm did in general in season four, but especially the final, you know, six, seven, eight episodes or so?
1: Well, I mean, it's re it's worth revisiting just to say it again, what they did in a world between worlds, the simplicity of it, uh, all of it was great. Um, I thought the way they did the wolves was incredible too. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's a really mature cartoon. Sometimes, sometimes I feel it's a guilty pleasure, and I'm maybe like a twelve year old. But other times, I'm like maybe I'm reading it at a different level because I'm not a twelve year old, and I, I maybe feel it deeper because I'm you know a grown up that's experienced boss.
0: It's and, a very grown up know. show for the network that it's on. Yeah, I mean, it's not even yeah. close.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think they're touching. on, I mean, like the relationship between Hera and Canaan and like the love that they had and um, you know, and then the the departure of Canaan to the relationship of Ezra and Canaan, those are real mature relationships and um, watching the wolf walk away and he says goodbye and that he doesn't like cry or doesn't chase after him Mm -hmm. and just that he understands the moment. Um, And I thought the maturity and the evolution of of Ezra's character was incredible, like through those, those last four episodes, as he like, you know, uh, in, in Jedi Knight, uh, when Kanan dies, he, um, he, he's kind of like handing the reins over to Ezra and Ezra, like he takes them. And like, not only that, like he exceeds all expectation, even uh, Thrawn was like, And the boy will try to lash out and the boy is going to do this. And the boy had all these plans to like, fuck you up. So like the boy, you know, at first became the little boy again, he regressed and then the wolf like threw him on the ground and told him what's what. And then he embraced the moment again. And, uh, you know, I thought, uh, visually, I thought, the when they all ride on the wolves, I thought that was great. I thought when, when, um, when, when Ezra's final attack and he's, he's holding them using the force, uh, you know, and just, uh, taking them into the, they're about to jump into hyperspace. Like I thought that was incredible visually and story plot wise. Um, you know, it was, it was, uh, and how they, they just like, you know, dropped my girl right in the middle of it. So like really like, you know, frost the cake off and, and show you some, uh, a little bit more of the man behind the curtain, which I think everybody's always, well, true fan, or, you know, people that are into it like us that want to know more about the Force and more about what they mean and what is a Jedi, you know. They uh, they definitely had a bunch of that, like a bunch of ice cream cones worth of, uh, worth of knowledge um, that you can kind of debate and talk about and, you know, grapple with for a while. But, um, yeah, Ezra's character was great. It was sad to lose Kanan, but I thought that was inevitable. I think we all kind of knew that. Um, and it's interesting to know where they're going to go, because I don't think Ezra is really dead right now. I, I think he's somewhere in between and kind of, um, you know, he he held the he held them together, so he didn't really definitively die. So I think he's either out there or out there as a force wielder or, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens.
0: Before I, ask you my a lot final, of before I ask you my final big question, I, I just cannot stress enough out <laughs> there, people, um, that Ahsoka, when she was introduced in The Clone Wars, was so hated that it almost tanked the entire show. And But basically, by the time they were in the middle of Season 2, people were really coming around, and now she's arguably... I mean, she's definitely the most beloved non-film character by a huge long... Shot, But it's also many people's favorite character of all of the new characters and all of the new canon. And I can't stress enough, this is the ultimate lesson for patience, people. I'm not saying you're going to like things about The Last Jedi or Rogue One or whatever that you don't like now. But if we learn anything from the Ahsoka experience, which has been a 10... Uh, 10-year journey from loathing to obsessive loving i think we need to uh we need to learn lessons from our own past as star wars fans and sometimes be patient for example some things that ryan set up in episode 8 might become way more uh, cool and apparent when we see episode 9 you know jj abrams was still the main executive producer in episode 8 and they've been sort of writing together from the beginning so You know, and uh, sometimes we just have to be patient and it's just wonderful because Ahsoka is such an incredible character. It's so great to see that. Um, So and that will lead into my final question here, man, which is um, what are your uh, main wants and or sort of predictions about the characters of, of Rebels coming out? Because, you know, Kanan was the only one to die. And I thought there would be a few more people who might die of the main cast. Um, so I'm curious, uh, obviously you're going to talk about Ahsoka. You could talk about Sabine, Hera. Um, I don't know. What are your predictions? And again, these could be either things that you think are going to happen and then things that you want to happen, or maybe it's both.
1: I think Sabine and, uh, Ahsoka are going to go, I mean, from what it sounds like, they're going to go on some sort of journey to find, uh, Ezra maybe like star trekian ish like finding spot you know what I mean like Mm. uh and that is like that's going they're going to lead a new serial cartoon uh like Hera will be in it somewhat but I think it's going to really kind of be two female characters like um and you know, there'll be some other characters, Maybe I don't know if it's gonna be Zeb or something like that. See, that's the other thing. It's like is Zeb's gonna be a real challenging character to like do in a in a movie. You know, to make him realistic. Yeah, we've seen you the end of Zeb.
0: I mean he's in his secret homeland. I don't see any reason for him to leave at this point.
1: Right. Unless they somehow do eventually a movie series of But of yes, Rebels.
0: that would be an almost impossible movie character.
1: You know, uh, X-Men did all right with Beast. Yeah. It wasn't horrible.
0: Yeah. Um, really? And we know Hera fights in the Battle of Scarif in Rogue One. Right. And we know so she survives her... through the Return of the Jedi. So we know Hera at least is involved with the Rebellion all the way through Episode 6. in one And
1: I think that's the point. We know her storyline, but like I think there's a whole canon storyline available for Sabine and uh, Ahsoka. You know, and they can kind of uh weave them into maybe that's the new cartoon storyline that they've been working with, yeah, uh, maybe that's the new adult storyline hmm. um I, I or that's my hope um because, as you just alluded to that that she's the you know uh most popular non movie character um you know why shouldn't she then you know have her own cartoon? have her own story and I, mm-hmm. I i really hope she does and I I, I I i would be excited to see that and um you know and just uh, again just to reiterate i know you said well they can do it and like you know they have the cgi i know they i guess
0: um mm-hmm. it's no practical all practical ahsoka what do you mean costumes makeup we don't you don't need cgi all
1: right I guess just her whole character, though. Like, let's not forget she kind of looks like a clown. You know, I mean, that's the – I mean, like, I love it. I can get into it. I see it. I get it. You know, but, like, how is that going to come off in in real life? That's all. Um, It's going to come off amazingly,
0: Simi, and you are going to have the biggest nerd boner ever when it
1: happens. Great. I hope. I I (laughs) fear. I fear Jar Jar Binks. I fear Jar Jar. That's,
0: that's never going to happen because Jar Jar wasn't annoying mostly because of how he looked. He was annoying because of how he sounded. So
1: <clears throat> I don't know that walk though. Like he walked like he was. going to Yeah, but like, that was
0: the first CGI character ever, and they weren't ragged. even doing full motion capture. Whatever. That's not going to yeah. happen. Don't worry. I understand your trepidations. I will say, Jed, you <laughs> had a really interesting idea about Hera and Sabine, um, which I didn't think about. Which is so we know Hera, you know, with her dad, uh, uh, Shamsundula. And uh-huh. Hera have long been sort of leaders uh, on their planet, and we know Sabine's family is some of the leaders on her planet. And right. yes, Sabine gave up the dark saber to um, uh, what's her name, voiced by Katie Sackoff, the other the sister. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, the sister of um, Obi Wan's lover. Um, uh, but anyways. So we yeah. can easily go back to the planet, reclaim the dark saber, in rule. We know Hera has a child, so you know at the end of uh, Last Jedi, when Leia's like, "None of our friends, you know, out there in the resistance are responding to our calls." That was sort of a dumb move because they basically gave their allies five minutes to respond. I mean, that was never going to happen. Plus, yeah, many of them are probably fighting the First Order on their own and are scared to join the main fight. But what are two planets that ultimately could be allies of the Resistance in Episode Nine? Mandalore and the uh, Twi'lek planet, which I'm blanking on with the Sandulas. I think that would be a really doable way. Of bringing oh, up characters, even if it wasn't Hera, it was her son Jason. She had with Kanan. Maybe Jason Sandula is now the leader of the their planet, and maybe Sabine or someone in her family is the leader of their planet. Like those are two. Those are two planets that have been powerful in the lore for thousands of years. Like they're more than just regular planets. Like you know how in Star Trek even though the Federation rules over this huge empire, but there are some sort of planets and cultures and systems that are more powerful than others within it. You know what I mean? Sort of similar to that. I definitely could see that. Um, I would say my, um, let me put it this way. The ratio of hope to, uh, the hope that Ahsoka would come in live action movie to actual sort of expectation was at best twenty eighty. uh, thinking that it was very unlikely. I'm more like 30, 70 or even 40, 60 at this point. I'm not sure it's episode nine. Again, I would prefer the Obi-Wan movie so that she gets central billing
1: with Obi-Wan. She should be in the, that makes more sense. I mean, it does because like, she's like, she has such a relationship with Obi-Wan. Like, let's not forget. Like, so if they're going to do this right, you know, that makes more sense. And then she can have, in the meantime, uh, you know, to keep us all thirst, uh we can we'll have this cartoon i hope that i'm i'm fantasizing about you know yeah. that might come Comes to fruition, you know mm-hmm Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm still
0: holding on hope for my Obi-Wan story because now we know not only can she reach him from any other point, assuming she can reopen the portal to the world beyond worlds, she can reach him on Tatooine from any other point in the galaxy or beyond, but on top of that, because of the sort of time dilation that's going on inside the world, uh, uh, world between worlds, they could go to another time and or place and have him come back to Tatooine without having skipped a beat of, of real time, if you will, so that he can keep watching over Luke. So the mechanics are actually there more than ever for my idea about that. I'm not saying it's the best idea, and I'm not saying it's the most likely one, but the mechanics are certainly there, and I would love to see that kind of adventure. I mean, of course, especially you know, two of the most legendary and wise and knowledgeable Jedi uh, running into Jedi from different times and places. I think just from an experiential standpoint and learning about the force could be super cool because who's to say jedi 500 years ago weren't more wise and no more than than they do now when they're scattered and few
1: so that right could be cool right that could or, be cool. or it evolved and you mm-hmm. know they learned and things like that yeah mm-hmm. no you, awesome. it, i mean there's a lot of directions they can go and now that they have this platform where you, we where i can turn to disney on this point and say thank you disney thank you you know disney has this huge investment in them and i get these great toys and uh you know we all get the continuation of uh, a tremendous franchise with all these different levels that we've been we've been talking about like from you know uh originally we said eight-year-olds dude but now it's you know four to. Uh, you know, four to 440, you know, like mm-hmm. as far as you want to go, like uh, old and young, like there's a bunch of storylines. Like if you're, you know, if you're an eight year old, you know, go watch Rebels. If you're, you know, 40 and you've never seen a Star Wars movie, go watch Rogue One, you know, like, and then go from there. Like I, I have, uh, I have all the hooks and anchors to get you into it. Like I promise. it's mm-hmm. so many, it's just diverse. So it's, uh, yeah. you know i really like all the potential
0: and i do think um you know just to close this out it's interesting but not wholly surprising in retrospect that because of how intense and divisive last jedi was you know it's not that surprising that star wars fans sort of embraced rebels to even a higher level than before Because just as an alternative, something that takes us back to the original trilogy time, something we're more familiar with, but also returning to those, you know, themes of, and again, Lucas says he made Star Wars for six to 12 year olds initially, right? Right. And so just like Ryan Coogler with Black Panther said, Ryan Coogler Coogler said, I made Black Panther for my eight year old self. That's what he said and that's great we should be celebrating that and adults have to stop complaining about things feeling too much like kids stuff when all the makers are saying openly it's for kids even though it's for everyone to enjoy <laughs> like that's what
1: we're doing dude yeah right yeah yeah
0: totally so all right man well, it was awesome to have you on definitely can g- talk more um So, I definitely would love to have you on after Han Solo, if it ends up being good and there's stuff to talk about. And then we're definitely going to be learning a lot more in the next few months. I don't know the timetable, but we're definitely going to be learning uh, more in the next few months about the new animated series and live-action series, which has been officially announced as well, live-action TV series, um, uh, in the next few months. So, we should know a lot more about our girl Ahsoka. Who's doing that? uh well john favreau is sort of the overall executive producer but they're gonna hire a bunch of different people to do it the same way ryan johnson is the
1: overall live action tv series
0: Uh huh. even like ryan johnson is the overall overseer of the new trilogy that they're talking about that's a non-skywalker trilogy but he's already working on hiring directors and writers he's just kind of overseeing it um dude that's awesome yeah and uh they already. Uh, they also hired the original showrunners of the early seasons of Game of Thrones to do yet another series of
1: films for them as well. That'll be even more adult. What, what do you think it's going to come out on? Like Netflix or, or Amazon or just its own independent thing? I think Disney's going Disney? to spend
0: a shit ton of money on these things no matter where it, they come out. And so I think they're going to wait to see how the market shakes out. The TV series is definitely going to help launch the Disney streaming service, which is going to happen... Any any month now, it's going to happen. And unfortunately, all of the free Disney stuff that we see on Netflix is going to leave. Um, and it's going to go into Disney streaming service. The good news is it's going to be great value because there's so many amazing things that Disney owns over the last 40 years that's going to be on a streaming service that won't cost more than the way overpriced like CBS streaming series and so forth. I mean, listen, right. even if Disney is 15 or 20 bucks a month, that's still great value. If you like Marvel, Star Wars, their Netflix shows, their Pixar
1: stuff and so forth, still great value. Do you think they're going to join with- with some of the other uh, companies like I have FUBU and uh, Sling Hulu
0: is in play because they own part of Hulu I believe um,
1: oh, so they'll like if you have Hulu, you could get.
0: Oh, that's interesting. So I think they okay. want to use Hulu's platform because Hulu's sort of encoding and video delivery system is actually really good. So I think they're just trying to figure out whether they just want to sort of slightly rebrand Hulu or completely change it around. Um, and they're waiting to announce these series and get them in production. So I don't think they're going to fully launch it until they get these shows going. So it might still be a year or two, but we're definitely going to find out more in the coming months. And we know Dave Filoni, the genius behind Clone. Wars and Rebels is, is the head of the animated division. John Favreau is doing the live-action series, and we've got two new, I think, full trilogies of movies over the next ten years um, or so. So uh, I'm very happy with everything. Uh, I, I totally get that not everyone liked less Jedi as much as me, but I think that's good. I think it's good to have conversations, and I think it's good that they're hiring directors who are taking bold steps. Even though other, pe- some, you know, not everyone's going to love everything they do, but I like that Ryan Johnson just did his vision and didn't worry about trying to please every fan all the time
1: absolutely absolutely i i love um i love the future the future is uh the future is hopeful
0: yep okay man well thank you so much for being on and uh yeah let's let's hope on solo's good and does well and then we'll have you back on for that
1: yeah man and uh if you want me to do a quick segment for your if you do a, a second uh rogue one i'd love to help out
0: oh awesome cool okay so we'll we'll talk yeah we'll talk on the phone later about if
1: you want to just do like a 15 or 20 minute one of those like yeah. to like just dabble in for the whole show you know i do i do or whatever you want i'd be interested
0: yeah that's a great idea that's a great idea um yeah people so stay tuned for that so from some uh some rogue one coverage which i am always happy to do Um, so thanks again Simmy thank you Bizzlecast listeners we'll be coming back at you soon but for the moment we are out